1: The Final Furlong podcast is brought to you in association with AtTheRaces.com, the ultimate resource for racing fans. Welcome along to the Final Furlong podcast. I'm Emma Kennedy, joined by my partner in crime at the races pundit, Mr. Kevin Blake. Hello! Spoiler alert, Kevin Blake returns to your ITV screens this weekend, but more on that a little bit later, plus an article he's written, which once again I haven't read. Uh, So let's talk about... (laughs) racing over the weekend. Uh nothing in Ireland to talk about. We could talk about Friday, but there's not enough of shelf life to do so. So Haydock and Musselborough is the focus of our attention, Mr. Blake. We will begin with the uh Group 3 Hold on, hold
0: on. English racing.
1: I know. I know. And and this is why you know so much. It's because you're back on tele uh I should imagine. So ITV4 250 Haydock uh, Group 3 uh, one of two on the day. Luca Kamani has the current market leader, and I would imagine he will be the favorite on the day, uh, or she will be even, unless she's done a reverse Caitlyn Jenner on it. Uh, God-given for <laughs> Luca Kamani and uh, Jamie Spencer. Uh, Cribs Causeway uh, for Roger Charlton, and then T.T. T. McPhee, who has been kept going to say the least, typical Mark Johnston style. Uh, let's get your thoughts on this group three, Kevin.
0: Yeah, I've been, I've been hammering this down all day, Kennedy. You will never hear me more informed on English racing than you will on this podcast. <laughs> well,
1: I've heard a rumour that you've now decided that English racing is actually better. Don't be silly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Anything for oh. the Queen's shilling. Yeah, but th- this is a good race, to be fair. Group three, fillies and mares over a mile and a half. And the one to start with is God-given, by as you've mentioned, um she would jump off the page on pedigree. She's buying Nathaniel and is a half sister to postponed. Um so her, her breeders have decided to race her and she's gone and won a group three last season, so she's worth an awful lot of money. And um she, you know, she'll be the the top rated one going into this. Um couple of little question marks though. I I think we can forgive her comeback run at Ascot. They ran her in a listed race um over a mile and a half and she's quite she can be quite aggressive um to be fair to her she can pull hard she's made the running um a couple of times she made the running when she won her group 3 in Deauville and she set out to make the running here but she just got a small bit harried late on and got a little bit fired up and um I was just too gassy basically and um and ran herself into the ground um and had nothing left to give that was against the course um, and Salawan who of course we saw running such a stormer in the Coronation Cup, was mm-hmm. back in third. Um, Mirage Dancer was in second. You know, so this is this is solid-looking form now. When you're when you're coming back into um, Philly's and Mare Company, um, and she she's certainly the one to beat. Not not even so much based on that run, but her her Group Three winning form um, last season makes her the one to beat. Um, ground should be fine. Um, she ran, you know, she won her her listed race and her Group Three on soft ground, but it was good to firm at Ascot. And looking at her move, um, it should be fine. I'd say she might prefer a tiny, tiny ease in it, but she showed enough on her return to, to suggest that she handles it just fine. Um, one imagines she'll be she'll jump out and be ridden uh, with with positivity again. Stamina is no problem at all. But um, she'll be short enough in the in the market, I'd imagine. And I, I might be inclined to take her on a little bit it's because everyone knows what she's like. They, they, her vulnerabilities were perhaps exposed a little bit last time and that if she's taken on um, on the front end, she can you know do a little bit too much. Um, so if she is taken on for the lead, which she could well be uh, by, by Titi Mafki to name just one, Um, That could cause a problem for her, and we could end up in a situation where it's set up for one that's ridden with a little bit more patience. And of those in amongst her that fit that bill, um, Euro Nightmare, um, trained by Keith Delglie, I think is a very interesting rival. Um, She, (coughs) excuse me, she won. Are you you okay, Kevin? Are you all right? I'm fine. You alive, Kevin? Um, as you, as you know, Emma, but the listeners won't. I I'm just after running back in after a late evening visit from the farrier and. Um uh, surprise fact you might not know about kevin blake i'm actually allergic to horses so it takes me a little bit of a while to bounce back after i've been out with them yeah. <laughs> i can get a bit snuffly but uh, i'm gonna be okay i think
1: to be fair yeah, it I've never flares it. up at the race course but yes indeed a race racehorse breeder successful winning racehorse breeder allergic to horses anyway carry yeah,
0: on apparently apparently uh, the Duke nicholson the, the famous trainer was very allergic to horses That's and right. i'm not too bad yeah. Um. As long as uh, what sets me off is if is if they um if, if their saliva gets on me, I tend to break out in a little uh, which can happen more easily than than you might think, you dirty-minded feckers listening in. Um. And and given that that I was obviously in short sleeves dealing with them on this very very warm evening, my my arms are covered in hives from from holding the horses for the farriers and they proceeding to eat my arms all right, all right, as best right.
1: they can. Right, move on. Move on. Movingon.org. Movingon.org. Um,
0: <laughs> so look, she won a fifties this race at Air last time, and like she won it despite the trip for me. It was, it was a mile and a quarter on that occasion, and she, she was, you know, she, she was niggled for much of the race, and she was very powerful in the final furlong. And people will look and say, well, of course, she's never won beyond ten furlongs. Maybe that's her trip, but for me, she definitely stays a mile and a half, and she's had very few opportunities to run over a mile and a half um, on on good ground or better. She's only had two chances in those circumstances. And I, I think those that is a set of circumstances that could show her the best effect. Um, all being well, um, with my selfish look in this race, I'm hoping Titi Mafki will take on God-given and make this uh, a solidly run mile and a half. I think that will show you're a nightmare at the best effect. And um, and yeah, look, she looks, she looks to be going the right way, to be fair to her. And she could well find some more improvement in those circumstances and, and shake up the fav
1: couple of other interesting ones to talk about we have a german writer, faux for marcus klung and with sylvester (coughs) de souza the germans are coming over marcus klug klug ah klung sounds better let's go with that Uh, so sylvester de souza booked he's not listening he'll be all right Uh, uh,
0: kennedy loves pronunciations
1: (laughs) And Cribs Causeway, who frustratingly is not related in any way to Giants Causeway, is actually by Rip Van Winkle out of a Dan Silly mare. For Roger Charlton, she went up 23 pounds last year, winning five out of seven starts, uh, and has had uh, a pipe opener as well. What do you make of those two?
0: Yeah, she's gone up 33 pounds. Kennedy loves mathematics. (laughs) Is
1: Phil Smith back in business?
0: <laughs> no, she was, she was a brilliant filly last season, to be fair. And uh, based on her comeback run at York in a, in a group three, she might not be finished improving yet, to be fair to her. Um, I don't think, you know, that kind of a, a tactically run mile and, tr- mile and three quarters was really ideal for her. I'd say what promises to be a more solidly run mile and a half will, will suit her better and I suspect she can come forward a few more pounds now Um she can be a little bit slow to start and you know if she is she she might be ridden um, a little bit back but if the race pans out the way I'm, I'm imagining it in my mind's eye I think a solidly run mile and a half um, will show her to good effect and she could well step forward another bit and I wouldn't put anyone off her Um the German filly you mentioned Fossen is difficult to evaluate but she looks quite well exposed in Germany to be fair she's she's won a couple of listed races um, over ten and eleven furlongs, made a winning return at Hanover, um. But she's never really advanced her form, um. you know, she she's been given an official mark of a hundred here, and that looks high enough. So you know, while you respect the fact that Marcus Clug has brought her over, he had a few runners at Epsom last weekend as well. Um, for me, she wouldn't be on my shortlist.
1: Okay, it's going to be a Euro nightmare for the bookies, apparently. Uh, in that 250. Let's move on to the 325. It's a listed race over five furlongs. Uh, judicial heads the betting currently. Muthmere, uh, pretty much joint favorite, if not favorite in some places for William Haggis. And the champion jockey, uh, or former champion jockey, I should say, Jim Crowley. It's almost amazing that Sylvester D'Souza hasn't been offered his job yet. Um, and then you've got Alfred. Oh. <laughs> hey, Jim Crowley's a great jockey. It's just that, you know, they do love the uh, the champion jockey. Uh, Alpha Delfini, Final Venture, Duke of Frenzy. We've got some old favourites in here, including Blue de Vega, who we saw running so well at Epsom uh, last week. That's the one that interests me at a big price for Robert Cowell. I just think eventually he'll click. Uh, your thoughts, Kevin?
0: Yeah, look, a few of these ran in the dash. Um, and look, it's a very good sprint. And Mutmir sets the standard. I suppose you have to say that. He, he's a three-time... Group two winner. He doesn't get a penalty here. He's been placed in some of the biggest group on sprints in, um, in in Britain. And my concern um, is is twofold here: in, is that two in his two starts this season, he's certainly been below his best. And one of those came at Haydock, and on the only other occasion that he's raced at Haydock, so that's twice he's been there. He, he's run pretty disappointing both times. And we know Haydock it, it can be a funny sort of surface and um, I'd be much much happier now with one of my fancies for the race at Haydock if, if they've shown that they can, you know, produce their best there. Um, and that's just a, a two-headed concern for me now. That, w- that would be enough to, to put me off him um, at the price. Um, and I'm going to probably have a bit of a swing at one at a price here, Ken. At a mad price. This it's going to give it away here. This filly could be a, a billion to one, really. Oh. Um, Equima, the bottom one, the only the, the only filly in the race. Mm. Yeah, and, and look, it's a big swing. She's only rated ninety six, you know, you, up against the likes of Mutmir rated a hundred and eleven. But the case is this: is that while she looks quite well exposed at her level of of around a hundred, um, I thought she ran a super race on her comeback uh, behind Mabs Cross, she was only just behind um, Judicial. An Alpha Defe- Delphini, who re here. And she's actually one pound better off with them. And, um, and things didn't go right for her, really. You know, she, she lost a fair bit of ground at the start and made good late headway um, down the stands rail. And uh, and I, I'm inclined to believe that run. People might look at that and think she was a bit flattered. But I, I'm inclined to believe it. And I think she might be capable of even a small bit better than that. Um, And the reason she'll be a banana's price, I'd imagine, is... Is because she came out and, you know, on paper ran badly in the dash. But um, I wouldn't say she ran badly. Things just went very wrong for her. I don't think she was enjoying the track. And then she got really badly hampered uh, just inside the final furlong. So I think what promises to be a pretty rapidly run uh, five furlongs here will suit her. She's the type she'll drop in there, be ridden with patience, be ridden to pick up the pieces late on. And the race doesn't have the worst shape to it. And I wouldn't be shocked now if she caught. It would be a surprise now if she hit the frame. But I think that could be that could be the play here, an each way of play if you will, place only, something like that. Um, I think she'll outrun her price.
1: They kind of mess around with her tactics, don't they? They they sometimes they will press for for the lead. Other times they they hold her up. What do you make of that?
0: Yeah, I'd say she's just a small bit tricky at the start, and sometimes she'll miss the kick like she did last time. I think in, in these circumstances, you know, she's a filly um, that doesn't have any black type at the minute. So, you know, sorry, I tell a lie. She was listed placed place as, as a two-year-old, but they'd love to sneak her into the frame. Um, and I'd imagine they'll, they'll ride her like that. With a view to, if they could sneak third, they were fourth in that group three um, on her return. That doesn't count for black type. So if they could sneak third, I'd say they'd be absolutely cock-a-hoop. And um, I suspect they'll ride her like that, given the circumstances. Well, I was going
1: to say that that return run made her certainly look like a horse who would be capable of winning at listed level. And in such an open race, it makes perfect sense to see where you're going here. So while she is, to quote Kevin Blake, a wild price, I see your thinking, Kevin Blake, and I'm following you in blindly because it's paid in the past. (laughs) After that, then, let's move on to the four o'clock, which is over seven furlongs, and we're back to Group Three Company. We're Dutch Connection for Godolphin. The Derby winning connections, although with a different trainer this time. Uh, Charles Hills and James Doyle, don't mention the war, uh, heads the betting. And uh, there's a couple of interesting ones in here as well. Uh, When we do have the Derby winning connections of Charlie Appleby and William Buick with Dubai, a horse who did reasonably well last season, and I would imagine, could come forward here. Um, Very, very classy at Maidan earlier in the year. Um, He was a little bit frustrating at times last season, but he was really good at Ascot. I I quite like him. Um, Your thoughts, Kev?
0: Yeah, look, it's, this is a proper Group Three now, over to seven, and we'll start with Dubai because because you've kicked off with him, and he's just got an interesting profile. You know, he ran in the the Pre Club last season. That's right, yeah. You know, so it's taken him a little while to, to find their trip with him. They've they've steadily dropped him back in distance, and he showed last time on, on his return to Europe in at, at Windsor in the of race over six. That that's you know six is just fine for him. He he ran very well. Um you know, he's shaped as if the trip is just fine. He's never run at Haydock before, but I I suspect seven might be just about ideal for him. Um and he's one of a number here that that you have to take very, very seriously. Um of course including his um his not quite call it stable companion, but in the same ownership um Dutch Connection, who, you know, is well established at this level, you know, former winner of the jersey stakes um you know there there's probably a debate to be had over what his optimum trip is my own inclination is to think that he's maybe just a shade better at seven than a mile Um, he made a very good comeback at in the lock and newbury he caught the eye a bit you know just as you'd expect really for a horse with his um with his profile he smoothly got into the race and just flattened out just a little bit close home so he, he should come on from that um, he has all the class to, to compete and win at this level. And he will be one for the, the short, short list, if you will. Um, I kind of wanted a sexy horse here. Um, Emus, if you want to pronounce it like that, unless you have a better suggestion. Emus? Um, <laughs> uh, he's, you know, the most inexperienced horse in this field. by,
1: by €580,000 as a yearling.
0: Yeah, great pedigree. I know the pedigree well. It goes back to Cassandra Go and, and, and Verglas. Um, a proper pedigree. And um, I, think, I want to say Jim Bulger trained this dam off the top of my head. And I quickly check, yes, that's true. Um, dam by Galileo by Invincible Spirit. Mm. And look, he, he's clearly had his training issues for Roger Varian, but he's been impressive. He, he made a winning debut as a two-year-old, came out and ran quite well without setting the world alight. light in a listed race at Deauville. He went missing for a year and then made a, a very eye-catching comeback in a handicap at Leicester where he was ridden uh, ridden stone cold and needed a fair bit of luck and, and then got it and quickened up very well. Um and that you know that was that was a great comeback, you know, winning a handicap of ninety nine. And things appear to have gone more straightforward for him this spring because he made his comeback in late April, back at Leicester again in a listed race. And much the same, Angeriadzini rode him stone cold, very quietly. Look, if if one had backed him and he was the fav, so many would have backed him. I'm sure they would have been throwing their shoes at the television in frustration there coming down to the two pole because Zazzini was very, very cool. Um, but the gap opened up a furlong out and he picked up very well. Um, he, he just got a little flick of the whip laid on and he flashed his tail um, I look back in all his videos and he, he did, at, when he won the handicap at Leicester he was actually given all hands and heels riding there even though he only won by a nose because Andrea didn't really have any room to use the whip such was the, the tightness of the gaps um, but I did manage to track down the video of the list, his run in the listed race at Deauville and he got a few snaps that day and didn't flash his tail. So it, it might just have been one of those things. It's not something that would concern me um, for the minute. Now, the ground could be a question mark for him. Um, he, he's been good on, on good to soft ground and heavy ground even on his comeback. And his most, you wouldn't. it wasn't a disappointing run, but he was the only time he's been beaten was on good ground. And, and he, you know, he moves like he should be fine on it. But he's by Invincible Spirit, and they're just for me. It's just a question mark. I wouldn't like to assume he'll be fine on it. Yeah. So that that might just be enough to put me off him at the price. And look, it's a big ask coming in against these really hardened, um, proper group horses. Um, it'll be a fair ask for him. I'd imagine. Look, don't don't change it if it's not broken. I'd imagine Andrea will ride him very quietly again, and and he he might need a little bit of luck. So. I'm happy enough to pass over him and if he can overcome all that to win uh, you know he, he could be he could be a proper horse he could be could potentially be a group one horse to be fair to him you just, know there's no indication that he couldn't be that just yet
1: Just a couple of things before we move on from it because he is a horse with a very interesting profile and you could easily see him going off a shorter price than he is now uh, certainly given his connections as well being trained by, by Roger Varian but He has only been beaten once, and that was in the race behind Albuquerque, as you were saying, in in listed company. But that was on good ground, and it's the only time he's raced on that surface now. It was good French ground, so how good that was. They were probably knee-deep in it, realistically. Um, But the fact that he's missed as much time as he has and is so inexperienced at the age of four, how difficult is that for a trainer?
0: I'm sure look, it is what it is. You just have to kick on, and you know he's he his experience levels have really been tested in his last two starts because he had to be very brave. Um, on the first occasion in particular, he he was treading the eye of an needle now in the closing stages, and he didn't shirk it. Um, so you know he's brave in his game. Um, and, and he would have learned an awful lot from both of those experiences, I'd imagine. So while on paper he looks very inexperienced, he's probably. Quite hardened for for a horse that's only had four races because he he had just had very very educational experiences in those last two starts in particular.
1: Mm. Okay, you're you're keen though to move on from him and go for something else.
0: Yeah, look the one and it's no prize, no wild prizes for originality. It's not a it's not a wise guy angle at all. But but um, Tabarak I think is really really solid here. He he's a very straightforward horse. He he does he does plenty of winning. He's won three listed races. He is ridden in very straightforward style. He'll sit behind the leader, and 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 you know he doesn't need to be delivered particularly late. You know Jim Crowley would can put him in the race as, as soon as he's comfortable. Um, ground would be no problem. Um, and he, he just looks rock solid. And I suspect you know he's shown on more than a couple of occasions that he, enough to, to suggest that he should be able to win a Group Three. He was just touched off and won last year. And um, yeah, he just looks rock solid to me, really. Um, he's shown that, you know, good to firm ground that Haydock is, is no problem for him. He, he won a listed mm-hmm. race there last time. And yeah, look, I, I think there's a lot to like about him. I really like the way he does it. He's a tip, typical acclamation. He sticks his head down and he tries, and he's dead straightforward. And I'd say seven is his trip. Um, so he ticks an awful lot of boxes for me, and he'll be just fine. He'll do for me.
1: Yeah, listed winner last time out, dual listed winner last season, and this was pretty much his target after his last win at Haydock, So um that all makes perfect sense, Kevin Blake. And and given his price as well, he's around about four to one. Um considering the Dutch connection is the shortest five to two and whatever you want to describe the uh Roger yeah, says. Uh,
0: And just in terms of how the race might pan out, there isn't heaps of pace here. Um Montadab, mm. you know, who's going to be a big price, he makes the running um, with some regularity, and you know, while he is an off to find on paper, he might be the one that goes on, and there mightn't be anything there to to hassle them. Larchmont lad might, um, but it wouldn't be a shock to me now if the pace is just even here, or maybe even slightly slower than that. And if that is what happens, I, I could foresee a situation where um, Tabarak is just sitting in second. Close to what isn't a hectic pace, and it will just be well positioned to strike, um, and that would do me just fine. Because a few of those, a few of the market leaders there, are likely to be ridden with more patience. Um, you know, especially a mouse or however, however you want to pronounce it, Dutch connection as well, more than likely. So tactically, and just again trying to picture the race in my mind's eye, I could see Tabarak and finding himself in a good position.
1: Let's just say emos. Say it with confidence, and then that way people will believe you. There yeah. we go. <laughs> uh, should we switch to the north <laughs> of England? I say the north of England. Well over the north of England. to To Scotland. To the fine country of Scotland. Jesus. The beautiful Scottish hills. Uh, the, the,
0: the, 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 Scots, the Scots have started wars for less than that, Kenny.
1: <laughs> and I still haven't seen Braveheart. Uh, right? The- Jesus
0: Christ? <laughs> oh
1: man! You, you were in it, shock. Honestly, you were in shock honestly, that day. Like, like you were in studio with me, and and it actually looked as though you would had an aneurysm. Like your
0: your face. It's not so, like, so much huh? shock. I'm just. I, uh, I'm not upset, Emmett, I'm just disappointed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely, and I'm not one for watching films again and again. I have watched Braveheart start to finish. I'd say, I have seen it. I'm not going to wildly exaggerate here. I'd say four or five times. Right. I'd say it's the film, it's the the film or, or her movie or whatever you want to call it that I've seen more all the way through, more than any other.
1: So what you're saying is you've seen Braveheart as many times as I've seen Captain America: Civil War.
0: Gosh. You and your Marvel shite. By the way, go see Infinity War.
1: It is epic. Uh, right, this is going to be the big betting Jesus. race of the weekend, the Scottish Sprint Cup in Scotland, that fine oh, country yes. where we have a lot of loyal <laughs> listeners, uh, in, including uh, a lot of uh, Scottish listeners who came up to us at the Dublin Racing Festival and Welsh listeners, actually. So um, hello to you all, and I humbly apologise to you. I
0: think, <laughs> Kevin Blake...
1: That this could go to Merhoob for uh for John Ryan and Kevin Stott. That's my dart. The Cape okay. Cross gelding, uh, coming out of stall one. You. You though. This is what we want to hear from. Uh who are you going with, my friend?
0: Okay. Um so here um you want to be drawn high, generally. Um they tend to congregate towards the stands rail, so high is where you want to be. Um pace wise, I think and suspect there could be a wee bit of a burn-up here on the front end. Um, El Astronauté um, has loads of pace, and he's drawn 14, so he looked to back the rail um, and make the running. C- um, Caspian Prince, we know, is rapid as well. Um, he's drawn 9, so I think the two of them could perhaps be forcing it. Um, but then you have Major Jumbo in between them and stall 10, who was, it was a very fast horse himself. And potentially, coming from outside, the whole lot of them you have um, both Ornate from stall two and Soy de from stall five. So there are five there, the five top the five top and the weights, coincidentally, that are fast and are likely to want to get really forward. Um, so if that does transpire, and it doesn't always work out like that because at the end of the day, it's in no none of these individual jockeys' interests to go too hard, but these sprinters, sometimes they if they want to go and they get a bit competitive, um, there's no stopping them. So with five you know, real, real fast, fr- uh, regular front runners here, my betting um, and my reading of this race is they could go a right gallop. So I want to find something that's going to be held up a little bit. And I'll give you two against the field, if you don't mind, Kenners.
1: Well, definitely um, this field, yeah.
0: Yeah, two. They're both double-figure prices. Um, and the first of which, and probably the number one, uh, would be Line of Reason. Um, he won this race last year off ninety-seven. Um, he's gone missing a little bit, to be fair, since. And as a result, because the, the, you know, it's only when you really hammer down these these big British handicaps that you know it just jumps out at you how generous the handicapper is um, to drop these horses when it's not happening for them. Um, it's so much quicker than in Ireland. Um, and as a result, he's all the way back down to ninety already. Uh, which makes him look very well handicapped and he showed a lot more um back to 5 furlongs last time behind um astronaut um, day he was you know he was away from the main action you know the pace held up quite well in the race and he was he was held up and if you, if you look at his record and and uh, you know not really if you look at his record over 5 furlongs and flat tracks and good to firm ground um there's an awful lot of good runs in there. He's actually quite consistent um, in those circumstances, um, which is what he gets here. Um, he's drawn seven, you know, which is fine. Um, Joe Fanning gets back on, who hasn't ridden him loads, but he did win this race on him last year. Um, so that is hardly a negative. And yeah, look, I think the pace is there. The, the, the case is there, I should say. He's, he's mm-hmm. definitely well handicapped. He has shown in the past that these are, these, this specific set of circumstances show him to very good effect. And, um, you know, the case is there. He'll need a bit of luck the way he's ridden, but um, that'll be my number one pick. Okay. And my, num- my number two pick um, is Orion's Bow.
1: Ah, um, just underneath him in betting order.
0: Yeah, Timmy's should be, again, a similar sort of price and and not this similar sort of case. This horse, once upon a time, was ah, raised... Ah, here, 100-
1: hold on a second now. I see what's happening here. The only reason you're putting up Orion's bow is so he can once again talk about how brilliant George Bowen was back in the 16th of May at York.
0: Funnily enough, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he was rated 106 at one stage. He, his, he, he's not a, a frequent winner. Um, I suppose a bit like Line of Reason, but his last win came all oh, pretty much two years ago, off 97. But he's gone missing. He went missing for a while there last season. And he's all the way back down. Well, I'll put it to you this way. He's all the way back down to 89, right? And this time last year, Kennedy, someone somewhere would have been tipping this horse for this very race off a mark of 104. He went off Fav for this. He went off Fav for last year's renewal of this race off a 15 pounds higher mark. Um, So, you know, you don't need to be a rocket scientist to figure out that he's well handicapped if he can get himself back in order. And based on his comeback run at Ponte, I think he is in order. Um, he ran a smashing race there to finish third he was pocketed there until quite late in the day too late in the day really and he's come home well to finish third and um oh oh excellent producer d has just arrived back from work after working late and she has given me a swirly from supermax
1: oi, it's oi. Some sort of an
0: ice cream configuration with Maltesers in the top she is no a gem. way what what a gem oh geez.
1: keep that woman Keep her not happy. not for
0: sale, lads. Don't ask.
1: Keep... No, you, you are... You have struck gold there, basically. Uh, Don't stuff. blow so if you, that. If you, Whatever if you, you do. If you hear
0: me... Um, if you hear me... I'm, I'm going to struggle to not eat this while we're on air, so I'll wrap up quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, listen,
1: so, yeah, we've got other things to discuss here, Kevin Blake, while that ice cream <laughs> drips down your hand, but do not blow that with producer Z. Keep going.
0: Uh, absolutely not. So... Um, that run at Panty was full of encouragement, and based on that, unsurprisingly, he was, he was very fancied for the handicap won by, um, as Simon Rowlands has built, the world's best sprinter George Bowen. Um, <laughs> 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 um, but he was very disappointed. No getting away from it. But in his defence, every time he's run at York, and told him three times, um, he has run poorly. So there is a chance York is a small bit funny. And there is a chance he just doesn't like the place. And if you're of a forgiving disposition and you forget that run at York, and um, he's entitled to be far shorter than he is here um, because he is clearly thrown in if he comes back to himself. Mm. Um, the one query um, you might have is that he might want a little bit of ease. And I, I believe there might be some rain potentially knocking about um, it's good to firm around
1: currently the Mussobor right area
0: it's good, it's good to firm now so I, I can give you this sort of scenario if the ground stays good to firm you know line to reason is very much the one but if um, against the odds we did get a bit of rain and the ground eased a little bit um, Orion's bow would become the one but um, I suspect the two of them might run well anyway and, um, and there you go and I'll just give a quick word on your selection actually because he would have been my third best actually ah, Mark
1: excellent
0: um different profile he's off a career high mark here by, by a, a career high mark by six pounds yeah Um having one last time um over this course in distance he, he's got a six pound penalty here is technically one pound well in um but for me the key um and the, the thing that's attracting me to him really is that was only the second run of his life over five furlongs?
1: Yeah, and he travelled uh, beautifully that day. He
0: did. He, he travelled like a travelling thing and travelled like a horse that really appreciated the drop and trip and mm-hmm. ultimately won very well. Um, you just love him to be drawn better than one. Yeah. Um, you know the thing is you've got 8 and, and Soy de Luz drawn two and five, so that they might just give him a, a bit of a toe across. But you'd be happier if he was drawn higher. But I can definitely see the case. I and mean, I would not put anyone off if they want to follow you in.
1: I just wondered with the pace um, that maybe he might be able to overcome the draw. Um,
0: and he might well. He might well. Yeah, there's definitely a case there for
1: Yeah, and he's also just such a big price that I thought we might be able to compensate. Um, in our... To continue the theme of completely and utterly ignoring Irish racing, essentially, we looked at the card at the Curra and, you know, go along. It's great now. It's still a work in progress, but once it's done, it'll be fantastic. And I'm sure if you own a horse who's running on the day, then you'll have a fantastic day. But I wouldn't back any of those horses with counterfeit that are running on Saturday, so we decided (laughs) we would entirely skip it, and like I said, um, just too short of a shelf life to be talking about the fridays race but live on at the races saturday night is the belmont stakes as oh. bob baffert once again goes for history with this scat daddy called justify uh, who is five to four on some would argue that's a steal uh for the 1.5 million five million dollar contest of course we're already on hofburg thanks to our good friend peter t Fornital who's been drawn in stall four and will win the Belmonts. He'll do them and stop them from making history. Uh, I do have a quote for you from Bob. Uh, The horse has been drawn in stall one. He says, I never do like to draw the rail. My horses seem to live in it. We have it. Can't change it. It's got to deal with it. Now, if you excuse me, I got a meeting with Mr. Burger King. And by the way, Justify is a
0: superstar. Does he get, get out? his guitar down and start playing?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely, yeah. But by the way, there's a—is this rumor true that he's going to be spending his time in Coolmore Stud meeting all the ladies next season? Justify.
0: Um. Yeah, I think they got the breeding rights to didn't they?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure if it's gone um, public yet, but I, th- I think. No, maybe...
0: I, I, I think it did. I think it did. Uh, let me see. Yeah, sixty million. <laughs> um Whoa! So the so the, rumor, so the rumors went. Um, that was two weeks ago. Whoa. Um, that came out.
1: That's a lot of money to pay for a horse who's going to get thrashed by Mendelssohn in the Breeders' Cup Classic. Anyway, (laughs) uh, staying on the breeding tone and uh, very much going back to the Godolphin and and Coolmore storyline because Godolphin decided to end their 13-year exile from Coolmore horses that you discussed, their boycott of Coolmore stallions, and... um, While this filly will have a long way to go, beyond reason, a daughter of Australia was very impressive over six furlongs. And given her pedigree, a 370,000 euro yearling uh, out of an Asimov mare by Australia, you would like to think that she will improve significantly for stepping up a trip. So this was this was a big moment. Uh, Godolphin having a cool more stallion that they've purchased go and go and win.
0: Yeah, look, it's it's the first of many, I'm sure. You know, it was a big, um, it was a big, big story in the bloodstock world now when uh, Sheikh Mohammed and, and his new team of buyers started buying yearlings by Coolmore sires. Like you say, it had been over 12 years, and uh, look, personally, I hope it goes really well for them and they, and they buy they buy a champion or two mm. uh, because it's, it's good for the game. It's good for the game, and while it might. Frustrate Coolmore perhaps to be to be outbid, and some of the, some of these uh, as they were, um, it, it's ultimately good for the game. It'll be it'll be good for everyone. It'll be good for everyone. It'll mean these horses make make more money. That's ultimately in Coolmore's interest as well. Um, you know there there was no winner in the boycott, and there really wasn't. Um, and it, it's great that it's over, and uh, this will be the first of many hopefully. And like you say, she she's done well to win over six with, with her pedigree. Um, it's not, you know, when you say Australia out of an Asamore mare, you you, you imagine, you know, a very stout pedigree. But for, for an Asamore mayor she, she she wasn't slow herself, to she be fair. Like seven, she seven pro-
1: furlongs, didn't she? I think
0: she won over six, but she's probably best at a mile. Mm. And there there's speed on the page. You know, it's certainly miler speed. But and because she's by Australia, she'd be eligible for the Chesham if they if they wanted to run there. I have no idea if they're considering that for her, but she would be eligible. Um. So yeah, look nice Philly. Nice to see an Australia winning over six. Um the reports coming through, you know, while it's it's obviously early doors for many of them. Um, the reports coming through on them are, are that their minds are really really good. Um and I thought I I don't know how many of the listeners will have watched it. I hope you will have watched it because it was very good, but I I interviewed um Aiden Joseph for Investec there and interviewed out that was up there in the in the lead up to the derby. That was really good. Um, uh, and for me, the most interesting thing um, from the whole interview was when Aidan was talking about Australia, and he said that of all the thousands and thousands of horses he's trained over the years, he's never come across a horse that just had no fight or flight response, and Australia didn't have any. He just he was he was so evenly tempered to to the point of of, of being almost a slob, You know, you couldn't frighten him you couldn't worry him um which is a wonderful thing when you're training a racehorse and he was just at the time he was saying you know he, he was fascinated to see if that came through because it just was so unique really for to have a, a coat like that that just was so laid back and so quiet and tame if you will um and he was really interested to see if that if that came through and uh, from I, I've talked to a good few trainers now and joseph obviously trains a few and Aiden trains a few and um, and I've talked to a few other trainers that have them as well. And g- generally, of course, there'll always be exceptions because Australia could well have been sent to um, an absolute lunatic of a mare. And so, you know, he, he, can, he, he can cure all ills, I'm, I'm sure. But the indications are that they're very, uh, very sober um, colts and fillies. And that's something I love on a horse. Um, and, yeah, look, it's great to see him get a good start. I don't think we'll, we, we won't be able to fully appreciate Australia's and we won't get a true reflection of how good or bad he's going to be probably until this time next year, really. Yeah. But certainly till the back end of this season, and um, we've seen with Camelot, just, you know, just how much they're improving from two to three. And, um, with Australia, you'd expect the same. I'd expect the Australians to be sharper than the Camelots, but, um, one would expect them to still be certainly better as three-year-olds than two-year-olds.
1: Well, both of those stallions are hugely important to Coolmore going forward because Galileo can't last forever. Um, the, the ban, which was never fully explained, but we can always, or the embargo, I should probably s- state it as really, but it really was a ban. Y- you can take a wild swing as to why it was that, um, that Godolphin and, and Darley uh, chose to go down that route. Um, it was lifted at the Keeneland September sale last year, and since then they've signed for over six, close enough to 6.3 million guineas worth of Coolmore stock that's a lot of money.
0: Well, uh, yeah, absolutely. And one of those um, was a four million guinea filly. You know, so one filly accounted for an awful lot of that. Um, a Galileo filly um, out of Dank, who I'm sure many of the listeners will remember, mm-hmm. uh, was a very good filly. Uh, and Coolmore, I'm almost certain, were the underbidders for her. They really, really wanted her. And um, and that's one of the beauties in, in many ways. And I know not everyone will see it that way, but... Of this of this uh, boycott, if you will, being lifted because we get to see these big clashes because it, it was very rare that we would see them uh, for the for the last dozen years it happened on occasion with so sort of, with neutral sires, if you will, but um, it wasn't really a common thing. Whereas now, um, you know, we we can potentially look forward to seeing these clashes for sons and daughters of Debawi, Galileo, uh, and top sires from from either camp. So it should be it should be really interesting and and like I say I hope God Alphin have a champion by Kul um in the near future so I, I think that's for the greater good um, and, and that's you know including not just the racing side of things but the breeding side of things as well um, it'll be very interesting to see how it pans out going forward
1: yeah absolutely it, it it's needed though Kevin isn't it like so we we used to have these great stories of like Demi O'Byrne going up against John Ferguson when it was those two in action and and bidding and underbidding against one another and and the great tales that would come out of the of the sales ring of those two going to war for for their respective parties and obviously that then stopped because godolphin weren't you know, they they would clash for um a stormcat for example uh, or or something related uh, from the stormcat line but they weren't going for for coolmore stock anymore and now that's back and you'd like to think that the rivalry will, will be there again because we've just seen Godolphin win the Derby. There's no reason to think that Massar can't go and do more this season. And it is it is a kind of throwback to when these two juggernauts of, of racing were were really proper rivals. And it'd be nice to see that back again.
0: That would be fabulous. So, and just to recommend it, I'm sure we've done it at some stage before, but just to... Um, just to recommend um, a book, Um, and I'm going to jump up here, make sure I get the name right, and it's tough to find. I'm almost reluctant to recommend it because it is a tough book to find, Um, is Horse Trader. Uh, It's basically a book about Robert Sangster, uh, written by um, Nick Robinson, Uh, Patrick Robinson, I think. Um, It's an old book, but it's very, very good, talking about that that period that you just referred to there, basically when the Coolmore operation was getting up and rolling, and they went to war with um, Sheikh Mohammed and others uh, at Keeneland for the very best yearlings, and it's just a fascinating read. And you know, while it is uh, very much uh, one side of the count, if you will, um, I think you, you'll if you can get hold of the book, and they do pop up on eBay and so so and, and so on and so forth. Oh, somebody might have said to me that you can get it and. On, on, I'm in ebook format now but please correct me if I'm wrong on that but it's a fabulous book and you you'll you'll consider yourself much more informed I think on the the history and background of of that particular relationship uh, once you've read it I, I couldn't it's very very good I've read it a number of times it's very good.
1: Well as a, a big fan of um the late great Robert Sangster and having a a painting I said this to Roy DeLarge at Sandown um, I said, I've, I've got a few paintings at home, and one of them was of the minstrel, and um, and he and he goes, oh, they're not paintings now of, of horses in fake races, are they? I absolutely ha- despise those. I went, no, 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 no. <laughs> they're they're horses in actual. Uh, they're paintings of horses in actual races. But um, uh, my mother got them for me, and they're I absolutely love them. They're in, in my home, home, and um, one of them is of the minstrel, and just Robert Sangster was was such. A genius and and such a, an innovator. Do you know when he tragically passed away? How much money was left to the taxman?
0: Uh, no idea. A pound. Mm. That's that's so, so he didn't pay his taxes.
1: <laughs> no, no, no no, <laughs> no, 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 no. So this is well known. You can you can read up on this. Um, he just had it done so well that it was uh, it, it was basically buried. Kevin Blake, well done. Uh, it's by Patrick Robinson and Nick Robinson. Is that what you're saying?
0: Yes, I, ha- I have it here in my bookshelf. I have it. Um, I'm very reluctant to, to give it to anyone because, <laughs> because I know how hard it is to get. <laughs> well,
1: here's the thing. Uh, I'm not going to have to ask you to buy it, Kevin Blake, because I'm currently buying it on my iPad. It is indeed available on Apple Books.
0: Oh, excellent. There you go. Perfect.
1: Yeah. and
0: Perfect, because it, it is not easy to find a hard copy of it. Um, and to illustrate the point, I will go on to eBay right now and so see is there one. Occasionally, there is one, but it, it often just costs an absolute fortune. I've
1: just and bought while it. And it.
0: while it's worth it, <laughs> did you? Oh, you I nice.
1: just bought it. It's, it's a 320 have pages. Not, have you not read it? No, I haven't.
0: Oh, Kennedy, you will lo- lo- love it. You really will.
1: Uh, Robert Sangster. Yeah, you, can, you, can buy, and... you, can, you
0: can buy a few copies of it. There's actually a heap of copies here on eBay, but the cheapest one is... It's not that bad, actually, but forty quid.
1: Ha <laughs> ha! I just bought it for um, three forty-nine. Suckers.
0: There you go. That, that's if, if you're um, inclined towards an ebook, um, that'd be the way to do it. But there are some hard copies. There, I'm actually surprised that I didn't think there were that many on there. There's a few there for eighty quid, ninety quid. Um,
1: so originally, but proper, it's,
0: a, it's a proper book. You, you should. And if you're into flat racing and breeding, um, you should get it because uh, there's just an awful lot in there about the origins of Coolmore. Some great stories of um, the group of people that went around. <laughs> I'll tell you, one of the best stories in it, just spoiler alert now, but it's a very quick and, and, and fun story, Okay, is the one about how Sadler's Wells' mother was bought. Oh. So there's a character in this book, and he was a big character in, in, in racing and bloodstock at the time, Billy MacDonald, and there's loads of stories about this guy in it. And he, he was a relatively young man at the time. And he was, <clears throat> he was a, a, I suppose we'd call him a self-styled bloodstock agent. Um, what do you mean, he used
1: what, to... What do you mean,
0: self-styled bloodstock agent? You'll know when you read the book. This guy now is, is just <laughs> full, of, full of bluff and bluster now. And one of them type of fellas. Um, typical bloodstock agent, someone would say. Some would say, <laughs> <laughs> some <laughs> would say not, me, not me, of course. Somebody tweeted um, <laughs>
1: that, I think like today, actually, funnily enough.
0: <laughs> oh, Jesus. But anyway, so they... At the time, the the, the the routine was that the the Coolmore buying team, you know, headed up by Vincent, obviously, and, the, and a bunch of lads, mm. would go to all the big farms in America, the big yearling farms before the sales, just to get their first look and to, to narrow their list, if you will. And um, the you know the way you do it, you you get you go look at them one by one, and you you put in the hard yards. But Billy, not one for doing hard work, I strongly suspect, um, thought he'd take a little shortcut. And he went up to the yearland manager. And this would have been in the, the 70s, I think. I think that would, that would be fairly accurate. He, he went up to the yearland manager and had a quiet word. And he'd say, right, boss, which one of these is the best? And he puts a $100 bill in his hand. And the, the yearland manager goes, well, when we when I feed all those those yearlands in the paddock every day. And they sprint across from one side to get to me. And the one that's always in front is that, that little filly there. Um, how was she by? She was by... Um, Oh, she was by Bold Reason, I think. Uh, bold Reason, yeah, small little filly by Bold Reason. She's the one that's in front every time. She's the racehorse. So, so armed with this knowledge, anyway, Billy didn't bother looking at any of the rest of the horses. He had he had his one. <laughs> so um, when, when sales time came, anyway, and um, Billy tried to persuade Vincent and the rest of them to to, to buy this filly, but like, they all thought she was too small. She was seemingly very small. Um, But Billy was determined, and he went in and bought her for $40,000 in the ring and uh, and got her back, and the rest is history. She came back and raced in Ballydoyle and went on to become... The mother, Um, she was went on to be named Fairy Bridge and became the mother of one of the greatest stallions of all time, if not if not the best stallion of all time, Sadler's Wells. It was
1: probably a a toss up there at one stage between him and Stormcat as to which was the most important, and I would definitely say she's controversial. I (laughs) would definitely say Sadler's Wells. I never got the the Stormcat buzz. Like a Stormcat couldn't give you a Derby winner, for example. And, and immediately no. people are, th- are throwing stuff at the speaker saying but he had Kentucky Derby winners and he had you know but like Sadler's wells could produce so many different types of horses um and and then no th-
0: th- th- this isn't a conversation
1: yeah it, it's it's not it's not, it's not. Um, but he was um he was a, a sire of sires that's the, the best way of putting it and to be fair so is Stormcat, but Sadler's wells was the greatest of all time in my view yeah, Forty grand. That,
0: that's- and that's the story of uh, how Fairy Bridge came about. That's so there you ridiculous. Go. I, thought, I thought that was a cool story. That
1: is insane. Uh, horse who, trader- say, who says
0: hard work pays off? <laughs> <laughs> Let's give $100 to the heirloom manager, and he'll tell you which is the best one.
1: <laughs> so is that what you do now, Kev? Is that what you
0: do? <laughs> oh, yeah, religiously, yeah. <laughs> it's
1: a 100-euro note.
0: What's, what's- I think that... The- I tell you, I, I, I tend to repeat another Billy... I'm almost It's in the same book, I'm almost certain. And I'm almost certain, again, it's a while since I've read it, that it's another Billy Mcdonald quote. And and someone asked him, you know, oh, Billy, what, what what's the key to this bloodstock aging game? And he said, right, you walk up to the horse, you run your hand down the back of the knee down the tendon, you rub your hand down the back of the knee the other tendon, you stand up, you put your finger to your chin, you look up pensive, and then you say, well... They're not perfect, but his father's weren't either, and that didn't stop him, did it? <laughs> 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 instantly genius.
1: sounding like a genius.
0: Yeah, so you see what I mean there about my my, my description of him? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, no, I, I get it. Uh, the line here on Apple Books, so I, I've bought this for €3.49, so... That is uh,
0: that is the best value you will get this
1: month. 100%. I'm not going to have time to read this before I ask got, but I'm very much looking forward to reading it over the summer. Um, I suppose if we were to convert this to to pound sterling, that would mean, what, £1.50? Uh, th- <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, think, I think we're fairly level now, so it's about, th- think, think of it as about £4. Um, the book traces the gripping story of how Sangster and his little band of Irish horsemen... <laughs> Ransacked the world's most prestigious bloodstock auction, the Keeneland Ransacked. Sales in Kentucky. This is like sounding like Jesus. Ocean's Eleven. Uh,
0: yeah, I wouldn't, wouldn't be too fond of that
1: description. <laughs> I, neither would I. I wouldn't be fond of this either. It witnesses, too, the terrible crash, the bankruptcies, and the ruined thoroughbred farms written with the full cooperation of Sanster himself horse Trader is the inside track and an awesome bid to corner the thoroughbred market looking forward to, to be fair
0: that. That, that, that that latter half that latter half of that is the is actual fact to be fair because when the when the bubble burst it was absolutely horrendous by all accounts yeah I'm looking forward Quite to, to you, you, that. you'll really, you re- I'm telling you you will really enjoy it.
1: good man uh, good man, Kim Blake. So horse,
0: very, very good.
1: Horse trader. That's, uh,
0: that's the best tip I've given in this podcast, let's say. <laughs> uh,
1: on, Unless on one of your double-figure price selections <laughs> live on ITV, which you will be part of, uh, goes and wins this weekend. Kevin, do you remember Jacqueline Quest?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, Guinea's winner. That wasn't.
1: Yeah, uh, that was awful. I remember that being on, uh, wasn't it on Channel 4? The, yeah, yeah would tough decision. Tough decision, but the poor owner. Oh, dearie me, that was awful. Was he in a,
0: was he in a wheelchair? He was
1: the poor man, yeah. Yeah, I remember now, yeah, yeah. They, they were interviewing him, and it was like, because you know horses are rarely thrown out, they were interviewing him as if he'd won it. And then it was live, they were interviewing him live when they came up across the claxon, going, the placings are reversed. Oh, it was Ugh. terrible, terrible. 66 to 1 she was in the day. Anyway, the reason yes. I mention this is that uh, one of the other horses, the Coolmore, Um, Sorry, uh, uh, I should say a Coolmore Stallion uh, produced that Godolphin have acquired and is now with Derby-winning trainer Charlie Appleby is out of Jacqueline Quest. And uh, it it costs Sheikh Mohammed... He costs Sheikh Mohammed 400,000 guineas. And here's the big thing, Kevin Blake. The horse is called Line of Duty... So Sheik Mohammed is a, <laughs> he's, huge,
0: robbed a he's robbed a name.
1: <laughs> he's, is a, first of all, he's stolen a name of a horse that I would have used. And secondly, he's a huge fan of the brilliant BBC drama, Line of Duty, which if you haven't <laughs> watched yet, you really should be watching. It is absolutely spectacular. Uh, there we go. So there we go. Uh, in terms of, uh, of some of the news before we wrap up, um, Hong Kong darling, Jaume Marino, the magic man, off to Japan. Hold on. Wh- what? whatever Hong just Kong let's what? say, let's just say the magic man uh jo, jo-, jo-, jo morera yeah Moreira, there we go I don't know what's wrong with pronunciations uh, i that's... think
0: you I think you can just call him Joe I think technically it's Zhao, but uh, I go with Joe
1: uh, it is Zhao. I knew it was joo because that's uh, that's the pronunciation of footballers as well anyway Zhao is off to Japan this is a huge surprise
0: um yeah like he, he's like people in this part of the world like that haven't been in Hong Kong would not realize just how big jockeys out there jockeys are like footballers you know they are super celebrities out there they're so that there's fanatical supporters out there and and joe was just i'm going to keep calling him joe that's fine was just um you're the one who's been to uh, hong kong
1: so i don't mind that's fine
0: yeah yeah he's, he's a phenomenon out there like he's, he's world class he's a fabulous rider. and um, i'd love to see him in this part of the world a little more often but um he has found it a little bit more difficult this 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 season um, Zach Perton is right up his jacksie, um in the jockey's championship. I think he might be only be one behind him. And I heard an interview with, with Joe the other day, and um, he was very, very honest. He said, look, I, he made some decisions earlier in the season because, you know, he's, because he is who he is, he gets the pick uh, of a number of horses in, in races, and he, he picked wrong and he thinks that um, some trainers have held it against him a little bit, and he hasn't quite had the same ammunition this season. But I tell you what, I I wasn't aware of it, but I was reading um, about some of the things he's trying to do to go to Japan, and I didn't realize, like, if you're going to get a full license in Japan, you have to do a written test that is seemingly no joke. What? You You have to be able to speak Japanese to a certain standard, um and there's a whole load of requirements like it is no joke i think there's only two foreign jockeys in japan he's bidding to become the third um it is no joke it is not easy and he's ba- said he's basically been preparing himself for 18 months he's been learning japanese for 18 months um and yeah it's it's <laughs> it's not a case of rocking up if you're on joe Moreira, give me a license it's uh, no you sit down you take that test and then you take another test Um, which is really interesting. I I was not aware of that. Um,
1: I I wonder, is the same level of scrutiny placed on footballers? Because Andreas Iniesta is off to to Japan to play.
0: I doubt that. I I think it would be very important. I know nothing about Japanese soccer or football or whatever you want to call it, but I can only imagine it's very much in their interest to bring foreigners in, whereas that is the complete opposite of Japanese racing, where they can be quite protectionist. Right. Um, it's very difficult to become an owner in Japan. Um, good Alphen um, had to work on that for years and years before they were allowed in. Um, it's, it's very tough. It's very tough because Japan is one of the few countries in the world that I think, and I'm, correct me if I'm wrong in saying this now, I think it's one of the very few places in the world that owners will generally make a profit um, on the horses that they own, like across the board, um, because prize money is so good. Um, so they they don't really let foreigners in, um, and that clearly applies to the jockeys as well. They make it very difficult for them to come in, okay. and they only want the only want people that are willing to go. Uh, I think it's, it's probably it's probably more than an extra mile, an extra ten miles to to get in. Um, so yeah, that's what Joe's going to do. He says if if he fails the test, he'll go and do it again. But he's He's been preparing for it, and yeah, it's, it's interesting
1: stuff now. Well, it's fascinating, and it's fascinating to go into that depth as well because I, that's, I genuinely didn't know that. I, I only had time to read the headline today and go, that that would be an interesting thing to talk about in the podcast, but had no idea that that was the extreme. I was just thinking about the fact that Christoph Sumion has obviously ridden an awful lot for for uh, Japanese owners and Japanese trainers, but then again, he's ridden in Hong Kong for them, or he's ridden horses in yeah. Dubai for them. I, 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 I think it it's so... Uh,
0: yeah, no, I think it's okay to, to zip in there and, and ride and zip out.
1: So you can ride um, in the Japan cup like Kieran Fallon and Johnny Murta would have. Yeah, been, I, I, like and I ride, think and ride more, I, for example, but but you can't get a permanent license there to be a jockey in Japan unless you pass these rigorous tests. Yeah,
0: that's my understanding. There's you know, there's an equivalent of a temporary visa where you can zip in, do your thing and zip out, but if you want to be based there um, and you get a full licence you have to go through this rigmarole.
1: Well that's interesting. Rigmarole is right. Um, Also, Kevin Blake, in an interesting twist, the Aussies have come out with a very strong statement. We want you. Come on down under, Saxon Warrior. Come on down under, Cracksman. Come on, Enable. You think you can take on Winx and stop her fourth bid for a Cox Plate? Then make your way down here. We got the prize money. So all this talk that we were having a go and saying, oh, you know, she's not can't be a great if she doesn't come up here they're they're turning the tables and saying right, come on so, on you come bring your best
0: it's a bit tote toe talks isn't it <laughs> <laughs> because they, they've they put out a public invitation as well as a private one obviously to all these top horses, cracksmen or what have you to come down <laughs> to come down to, to, to Mooney Valley, an absolute dog track they're running the crew front and i know people say i take the piss out of the aussies but this will it'll be a little bit like me putting out a public statement saying right just so you know that I've, I've issued an invite to angelina jolie and kate winslet kate winslet to come out on a date with me I'm just putting it out there okay And we'll see what happens because cracksman is not going to the Coxblade no more than Angelina Jolie or Kate Winslet is coming out on a date with me. Much to <laughs> producer D's absolutely, relief, absolutely ridiculous. And they may get they may get a bite, you know. Something like Lancaster Bomber might go down, but um, oh, I mean, how, I'm sure. How patronising
1: sure can you be? Ah, oh, they well, might get the mean? old Bomber.
0: Oh look! If it, if if it was run on an orthodox track might have a chance of getting a big gun down with the prize one exception. And as we've talked with many occasions, I would question certainly the depth. You know, Winks is, is a top-class filly or top-class mare, I should say, of course. But, oh, there's, um, a, there's uh, a change I, in tone. Oh, no, she look, she is a top-class mare. In those circumstances, Um, it would be very difficult for, to see her beaten. Um, but um, the, the depth in behind her just isn't there. Uh, and, and look, it is what it is. Look, I, I don't even think Aidan O'Brien would send anything down to Mooney Valley, to be honest. He, he gave it a go with Highland Reel and, it, you know, the horse wasn't anywhere near his best. And it was just, because it's just a dog track. It's a dog mm. track. Um, great race, great history, great prize. Money, but Jesus, lads, do not try, do not. And if one Australian acts me on Twitter trying to defend Mooney Valley, just forget about it. Don't bother, because it's an absolute waste of time. Nothing will ever convince me otherwise in my opinion with Mooney Valley. I am not taking on board any new evidence. I've made up my mind. <laughs>
1: And what about um, Winx's rating based on the Cox Plate? Then you would be like saying that's utter nonsense. Oh, I, I
0: was I was never comfortable with that. You know her 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 rating, and you know to be fair, subsequently, I think it was the 2016 Cox Plate um, was what her international rating was based on at the end of that year. And that's just a, that's just a, a farce. That's just a farce. You cannot get, rate a horse one of the best in the world based on a race around a dog track. Um, it's just, it's just ridiculous, in, in my opinion. Um, to be, to be fair to Wings, to be fair to Wings, she's gone on and um, and perhaps matched that rating um, subsequently at, at Rose Hill, I think it was the following year. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not questioning, you know, Wings' ability per se, but just the fact that they would, they would give her an international rating based on a race around that track is just bamboozling to me. Um, but there you go I don't think it would be a group one track anyplace else in the world that'd be a if you put if you put that track in um, in the middle of Ireland it would be there with tremor um in terms of the people the people's willingness to run a nice horse there <laughs> it's you know it's just it's just a ridiculous track it just it's mind-blowing to me that it, it is it has the, the prestige and everything else that it has down there How dog long, track uh, <laughs> <laughs> I
1: mean what one, one would think Greyhound Racing's getting a, a right old pummeling uh, in this as well. Um, how long is the final furlong off the bend?
0: Um, less than 200 metres. So it's a tight... You no, know, less, less than 200 metres.
1: So it's a tight <laughs> track. And we did just see an Aiden O'Brien horse really succeed on a tight track. So, Kevin Blake... What
0: about Which the, where? Which one?
1: I'm getting I'm getting to it. I'm getting to it. What about the prospects of dropping Idaho to ten furlongs, sending them, sending them out, make all the running, and and really put them up to the wings? What if he chinned wings?
0: Jeez, oh, yeah. Look, I wouldn't, wouldn't it wouldn't, would be funny, but. Um, <laughs> I, I couldn't see it myself.
1: No, no, no chance. Yeah. There's no chance Idaho beats Wings.
0: Um, I just don't think there's any chance they'd, they'd run them in. I don't yeah. think they'd run. Them. I, I don't even you think they'd,
1: know, they'd run the Bomber. They, they'll send Lancaster Bomber to the Breeders Cup again, won't they?
0: Um, probably. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I just, I just recommend you go onto Google Earth or something and have a have a look at Mooney Valley for yourself. There. That's a great show. Um, it's just, it's just a square. It's a square and the, the the home straight is less than a far is less than a far off. Like it's just it's just nuts. I should <laughs> point
1: out that Tim Carroll of at the Races Fame is listening to this podcast right now and is clenching his fist and uh, will be very much looking at. And forward. hey look,
0: I know I know Tim will defend wings until he's in a grave, in his grave and that's 100% fine but I, I would be very surprised if Tim would defend Mooney Valley as, as a venue for an international group one
1: we'll get him on the pod and you two can fight it out to the death two men enter one man leaves um, Jack Adam has been retired so I got a uh, phone call go. I got a phone call from a bank manager saying uh, relieved to hear <laughs> that, uh, that Jack Adam has retired <laughs> so okay. i just wondering there
0: will I, will I cancel that whole direct debit there <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> little, little did he know I'd already had a massive bet on him to place in next year's Gold Cup uh, no, no no I hadn't uh, there was no bets I, I absolutely loved Jack Adam I, I, I thought he was a terrific racehorse who to be fair sometimes, sometimes we love the horses that aren't the absolute world beaters but Jack Adam had a great career he was a brilliant winner of the Thiestis Chase at a very young age he ran an absolute stormer in a Gold Cup and an average year he would have won that, that Gold Cup um Coney was never the same afterwards, so it must have taken some performance from him to go and win that day. He was never and has never been that horse and, and indeed Jack and finished in front of him when they met at Punchestown uh last year. Um and, and he just had a, a terrific career and he was a great representative for for rich Ritchie and for ruby and, and particularly for willie mullins who i think did really well with him and it's it's a shame he obviously didn't have the pace that he once had but he, he ran another stormer in the punchstone gold cup and it's a sh- it's a shame that injury intervened but um he'll go back to his breeder in france and, and will hopefully have a happy retirement
0: yeah no, great smashing horse smashing horse um And, yeah, you've said it all there. Nothing to add there. He'll have a happy retirement, I'm sure.
1: Um, A horse who was enjoying a happy retirement and who tragically passed away is Denman. And um, he was a a proper, proper star. Um, He made it to 18. Um, He was a a horse who meant an awful lot to a lot of people. Um, We had a, a very odd ownership relationship towards the end uh, in particular but you know Harry Finley was a big character uh, and that was a a huge talking point Um, brilliant really talented novice hurdler brilliant novice chaser incredible chaser and um, and just every time he raced gave it his all and a Gold Cup hero a dual Hennessy winner um, he had some CV and, and he I think if you go on social media kevin and you just see the outpouring of the outpouring of, of grief and of celebration of his life it it said an awful lot about why jumps racing means so much to so many but also why star horses like him mean so much to so many um he'll be missed
0: yeah he was he was a loved horse he really was um a golden era for saying chasing and Shrikoto's um, gone as well now. Mm. Now Denman's gone, but look, there you go. Um, all horses, as all people, uh, will eventually die. Um, but he leaves behind plenty of great memories, and um, we're going to we'll, we'll honour him in, in in proper style on Monday or perhaps Tuesday. Um, Harry Dur- Harry Durham. Uh, podcast star is actually coming over to Ireland for a visit. He's going to stay with me for a couple of nights and we'll get him on and we, we're going to do a Denman special yeah. um, and reflect, reflect on his career. Um, Harry will obviously have some great insights uh, being so so involved in the horse for, from a very early stage and um, he'll be able to tell some great stories, I'm sure, and, and really honour the horse, good and proper.
1: Yeah, that's what we want to do because Denman meant so much to so many and obviously Harry is such a friend of the podcast as well of that the right thing to do is to get Harry on to talk about that great horse and what a remarkable career and life he had. So um, we will bring that podcast out on Tuesday night, I believe. Uh, as that's the the latest from Producer D, so that's the intention there. And um, hopefully it's a podcast that will do the horse justice and that you will um, be able to enjoy, because the important thing to do is to be able to look back on the great memories that he gave us, and he gave us some remarkable memories. And um, it should be a celebration of his life and all that he achieved, and the great job that Paul Nichols did with him as well, so very much looking forward to hearing with, um, what Harry has to say about him, but commiserations to, to his connections, and, and um, all who were close to him, and, and friends, fans of his as well, because it really does, you you feel it in your gut when, when one of those good horses goes, it's it's terrible when any horse goes, but particularly one of those <coughs> stars, and Cotto was, was a tough one, but, but Denman as well. Um, So we'll do that for you uh, during the week. And we've got uh, a Royal Ascot preview to come as well, Kevin Blake. It's not far away.
0: Yeah, can't wait now. Buzzing for Ascot. Cannot wait.
1: It's going to be a big week. Uh, We're going to be live on ITV for it. Speaking of, and I've alluded to this throughout the podcast, you're back over uh, to the UK and live on ITV this week. You'll be on the opening show with Ollie, and you will then be on the main channel as well later in the day.
0: Yeah, a bit upon the trip later on in the afternoon. So, very much looking forward to that. Heading out tomorrow and um, for a trip to Haydock for for a good few years. Um, but happy to get back there and delighted to get stuck into some really good racing.
1: Excellent stuff. That should be great. Uh, you can see Kevin on ITV4 uh, with all the crew um, on the opening show and indeed on the main channel as well. Uh, they did a piece today, uh, producer Coops with Tony McCoy and Aidan O'Brien, which will be aired. During Royal Ascot, which should be absolutely brilliant as well, and looking forward.
0: Uh, to I've it. I've got the inside word on in that, and it's absolutely fabulous. Excellent, excellent. So I'm I believe.
1: Looking forward to getting to see that and hear it on Talkback, and and more importantly, looking forward to being part of it. Uh, thanks very much for all the kind words for, for Kevin and I, and um, and our work on on ITV. Thoroughly enjoyed it during the Derby and the Oaks, and uh, very much looking forward to Royal Ascot as well. I can tell you, I will have a new hat and it will be black right that's it uh we are done thank you very much for tuning in hopefully kevin has unearthed some winners for you hopefully you enjoyed the chat and you've got a new book to read as well from kevin blake good luck and from me Emma kennedy we will chat again very soon next week in fact with two new podcasts for you have a great weekend thanks for listening we'll talk to you soon god bless have you downloaded the free app the races app yet with easy to use race cards and form Expert daily tips, plus video replays and in-app betting is the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile, visit attheraces.com forward slash app for more details.